For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, yo, welcome in to the TFA Dino Show. After a one week hiatus, we are back with episode 13. This is Robbie Jeffries at NFL Robbie here, and we have a fantastic show for you because. It is Veterans Day, and I brought on one of the greatest veterans of fantasy football community content of all time. That is the Tom Corson at Dynasty Infidel. Hey, Tom, happy Veterans Day. Hey, man, seriously, uh, we thank you and, and, and all the former and active military members uh, for their service. Uh, we at the TFA, the Fantasy Authority, you know, really appreciate it, and I know the entire fantasy community does. So thank you so much, and hey, let's, uh, let's crush this show. Well, thanks, buddy. Excited to be back on the air with you. I, I, I've missed you. I, uh, I for once, told Tom, hey, I need a week. Things are getting crazy, you know, outside of fantasy football and, and, and even in fantasy football. And I needed the balance, you know, Tom, that that, that balance of what, what, what do they call that? Is that the, the yin and yang? Or is it the force? I don't know. Is it the force on the dark side or is it the yin and the yang? Oh, the balance of the force for sure. For all the Star Wars and nerds out there, including Tom. Well, you're a nerd. Well, yeah. you know, honestly, like I, I, I've just recently dove into Star Wars, so starting to get all the references. I've watched most of the movies. I would put myself in there, but I'm not quite there. You know, you're like I, a giant man fanboy. I can. I, I'm in there enough to say Darth Maul would have been a way better villain than Darth Vader. Like that's, that's what kind of fan I am. Yeah. I, I could see that. Um, as long as you're not like Jar Jar Binks, then I think we're fine. And I'm just going to let go of that. Wait, hold on. Wait, stop. I blacked out a little bit because I was thinking about Jar Jar Binks being an idiot. Did you just say Darth Maul was better than Darth Vader? <laughs> yeah, man. Like he should, like if he was given more of a role, like when he comes back and and so we're we're way off the rails and anybody who doesn't care about Star Wars is but done. But so, we're gonna end it there. But just saying, he can't even they crush his throat him, or anything though, can he? I don't know. We never got to find out because they just cut his characters too soon. Hashtag yeah, things that he, went too soon. He was just a good swordsman, so to speak. Swordsman, I oh, guess. Gosh. Yeah. Swordsman, you're a, not a nerd. You just call he it was swordsman. A swordsman. Swordsman, yeah. get out of here. It's a lightsaber. Listen, save, oh, it's a lightsaber. Okay, I'm the nerd. You're correcting me and calling it a lightsaber. We are going to get back on track. So we're doing a little bit of yin and yang of the fantasy season. So 
you know, there, a lot has happened, honestly, in, in, in the nine weeks that we've had so far. Stuff that's completely thrown us, stuff that surprised us. And there's some bad, there's some, there's some, you know, dark and, and dreary and, and, you know, not bright stuff that's happened. But there's also been a lot of exciting, you know, energetic and, and, and great stuff that's happened. And so the yin and the yang is something that we thought would be a great culmination of the first half of fantasy football. And so that's, that's what we're bringing to you guys today is some of the, the great storylines from the first half and some of the uh, not so great storylines of the first half. So Tom, are you ready to rock and roll? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Okay. So let's start just kind of quickly with, cause we, we definitely want to hit on last week because there was a lot of stuff that happened just in that week before we dive to the entire first half of the football season. What was a, a week nine takeaway that you had? All right. So we've been watching football for again, nine weeks now. Most teams have played at least eight games. So we're halfway through the season officially for most teams. And I can honestly say that I don't, everybody going into the season for the most part, not you per se, had Lamar as their QB two. I don't think Lamar is QB two anymore. I don't think he's QB three anymore. I don't know if he's QB four. He might be QB five. Uh, have Josh Allen and Kyler moved ahead of Lamar. You could say Russ is ahead of him too, um, but I, I definitely have Kyler above him. I'm on the fence with Josh Allen being above him, uh, but Kyler and Josh Allen are both progressing um, as far as how they play the quarterback position. They're improving with everything that they're doing. And Lamar has, you know, he's regressed. He's had the unsustainable like touchdown um, rate that he had last year. But he's not he's not doing it as much. You know what I mean? He's he's not just going out there and lighting everything up. And meanwhile, you have Kyler and Josh Allen going out there and destroying things. And with DK Metcalf out there in Seattle, they just have two top five wide receivers in football right now, even though Lockett's basically, I think, almost 50% of his production game in one game. Um, but still, Tyler Lockett stretches the field and can do anything. Um Russ can be ahead of him too. So that's the argument. Do you have him? You still have him as your QB two, as you did a couple weeks ago? You know, I don't. And and it's not so much anti Lamar Jackson. It's more pro Kyler Murray because of what he's been doing. I think if you, you look back to Lamar Jackson's season last year, you see a lot of what Kyler's doing this year. And I think a lot of it, uh, when I, at least when I did my projections, not that I predicted it, but you know, as as Kyler Murray as as a you know high high end top four QB for for this season's projections, it was a lot of that positive regression coming from his the red zones, right? Like the, every time they'd go down to the red zone in 2019, they wouldn't score. They'd kick a field goal, they wouldn't score a touchdown. Like the Cardinals' red zone opportunities, bottom of the league. And we've always seen, always last year and this year, we've seen Kyler have that rushing floor that just automatically gets him into QB one status because he runs so much. He runs second most to, to Lamar. And then on top of that, now we are just seeing with DeAndre Hopkins, that passing ability to score, you know, multiple times in a game where he just, they just weren't getting that done uh, in his rookie season. I think he's progressed. And I just think DeAndre Hopkins has been what DeAndre Hopkins does to quarterbacks just, you know, helps them a lot, especially fantasy wise. So no, he's not my QB two, but, I would also note that here's the problem with, with Lamar. We knew that his touchdown, his passing touchdown uh, rate was going to go down. His percentage rate was going to go down. 
We knew his rushing touchdown percentage rate was going to go down. It was, could he overcome that with passing volume? Was he going to throw more? Was he going to pass for more yards than he did? And no, he's actually below that mark. And so that's why once you bring down his insane passing TD percentage and his rushing TD percentage, now you have, you know, a mid to mid QB one. And then if you go, oh, he's passing even less than he was last year, or at least his yardage is less than last year. Now he's a low end QB one. Where I'm kind of going with that is that I think he he turns it around a little bit in the second half of the season. The Ravens have coming up, you know, after a couple of weeks, they, they face the Patriots, Titans, Steelers. I don't think any of them are, are great. The Steelers are obviously maybe a little bit tougher, but then he has the Cowboys, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. And all of those last five games are, you know, top 10 passing defenses that you want to face. So no, he has not been what we saw from last year obviously i mean he, he set records last year he was an mvp but he's even more disappointing than that just because the passing wow. yardage just hasn't even maintained from a, a low passing offense so i think i think he returns uh, a little bit of that here in the second half of the season yeah and the ironic thing is you know we're, we're seeing historic passing numbers across the league through the first nine games and we're not seeing that with him josh allen's a perfect example of, of everything that he's doing uh russell wilson Kyler, all three of them, they're all doing that. Lamar isn't. He's on the lower end and going backwards from where he was, which is the point, because if he doesn't have the volume, then that's that's a bit of an issue. Um, I still think he's going to be great. He listen, Lamar, that playoff schedule, he's going to win people leagues, especially if they gave up on him early. Um, so that's why you have Lamar there, and he'll shoot back up again if people wind up dropping him because of that fantasy playoff schedule. And he's going to have huge weeks those weeks. So um, it's it's more about, like you said, how good the other QBs have been, which is why I think the argument is, you know, I think definitely Kyler. I've had Kyler actually as my number two overall Superflex player uh, since I think the 28th of October. So, you know, three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is, mathematics, it's the 11th, you know, mathematical theorems and, and whatnot. But anyway... <laughs> The question is, stamp on that, baby. Yeah, let him know that you were one of the first to have yes. him as your QB two. But Josh Allen is creeping up close to him. Russ, he's there. He would be ahead of him if he wasn't older, if he wasn't as old as he is. But again, he's playing at such a high level. You know, four to five years of Russ, it's pretty close now at this point. I, I don't think I'm not taking Lamar in the top seven or eight in a dynasty draft uh, for superflex right now. Yeah, you know, Josh Allen is tough because you remember my preseason bust was Stefan Diggs, which I've taken a huge L on. Yeah, it's but just I, I, the I still, targets, man. Yeah, no, the targets, absolutely. Like, this isn't even a Stefan Diggs thing. Took right. an L on that, accepted it, moved on. Just is, is played amazing, and they're just peppering him. They're passing like we didn't expect the Bills to pass, and they've continued to do mm-hmm. so. I think where I don't quite trust Josh Allen dynasty-wise is – even though he's shown that he's very he's progressed this year and, and taken his what fifty nine percent completion percentage up to like high sixties. I mean, he was at seventy at one point. I know he's uh, dropped down a little bit, but yeah. the the problem I have is is who he's doing that against. We've seen him, you know, first four weeks it was Jets, it was Dolphins before Dolphins got good because they were so injured at their cornerback in safety position. Rams, which which we've got to give him credit. Rams have a good secondary. Raiders. And then he hits a little bit of a, of a snag here. He goes against the Titans. He struggles. Chiefs, he struggles poorly. Jets again, 
uh, and he struggles in this game. Patriots, he struggles. And then Seattle secondary, you know, you want a free bingo square other than the Falcons. Play X wide receiver quarterback against the Seattle Seahawks and you're going to do well. You know, Seattle's been, Seattle's been worse than Atlanta, which is right. mind-boggling to even think about. Uh, right. But. So he he takes advantage in these great matchups, but he's also been not not just like like he scored eight fantasy points against the Patriots. I think it was sixteen or twelve or there's something you know low teens against the Jets. Like and, and everyone has these weeks, right? It's not like a Josh Allen is, is horrible, whatever. Like I have him as a top seven dynasty guy, but. I guess I'm just not sold as I am with, you know, some of these other guys that, that you previously hit on with Russell, Kyler, right. um, Watson, et cetera. So. Kyler is basically a top five QB every week that he's, that he's played. It, it's amazing. And Josh Allen has been, when he's, when he's that QB one and he's a top five week, typically he's QB one or QB, QB two because of the volume, the amount that they're passing. But it's an interesting debate. In, but bottom line, I think next year, if I'm taking a quarterback, I'm waiting on a quarterback, I'll let somebody else take Lamar, and I'll take one of these guys uh, if they fall. But Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if they will. It's funny because on our Kyler TFA – Yeah, I don't think he will. On our, on our TFA Sunday show, someone asked the question, Kyler or Josh Allen, which I don't know how they have both these quarterbacks, but great, great for them. And they're like, which one should we start? And and everybody on the show was like, well, it's Josh Allen against Seattle. And for some reason, I was like, I can't sit Kyler. And so we see Josh Allen go off, mm-hmm. right? This is this is the early games. He has three passing touchdowns. I think he has a rushing touchdown. He has 400 yards. And I was like, well, yep, you know, you win some, you lose some. No, wait. Kyler goes and just balls out and actually I know. Uh, scores more. So, yeah, that just shows how well he's he's been doing this year. And and one other thing this year that you talked about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and that impact they've had. Christian Kirk the last four games. Hello, how about that? Yes, absolutely. We're, we're getting it in. So that's uh, that's a good one. So let's get into some yin and yang. I'm pretty sure there's a, a lot of positivity in Arizona. I might hit on that a little bit there, but go ahead. Yeah, just just to break this down for some of the listeners, I don't know how how much they've dived into Taoism, uh, the Chinese religion, but yin and yang comes from Taoism, uh, which is a Chinese religion, and the yang is more of the stronger, brighter, harder, faster. You know, it's the tilting feeling that 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 you you, you kind of maybe not tilting. I guess that's a that's a bad word because tilting in, in the fantasy community is like oh, you know, an anger. Right. It's more of the the, the jubilation, I should say, that you it's, get from some of these. The, it's the dynasty infidel when he gives you prop bets. Oh, that is the there yin. It is. Yes. And then the yin on the other side is, is maybe some of that darker, dreary, um, you know, underlying, built up, pent up, quiet energy that, that, that you have. It's the Kevin Steele. <laughs> it's the fantasy wrath. Oh, until you get him started on James Robinson or or Jonathan and Taylor or somebody. It, yeah, and it's okay because you know what, Kevin won't even know about that that comment because you know how much he loves Dynasty. <laughs> big fan, actually, big fan. <laughs> yeah, Tom, let's let's jump into some of this. Um, you know, I'm gonna go first because you gave us uh, some some good reactions to Week Nine. I'm gonna do my first yin, and that's gonna be the Dallas. Fantasy offense, man. You know, that is something, you know, you want to talk about yin and yang in its own kind of just one sentence. It's that Dallas fantasy offense. Like 
first four weeks, we have Dak at QB1. First four weeks, we have Zeke as running back four. Amari's wide receiver one. CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver 16. Mike, Michael Gallup is wide receiver 33. Dalton Schultz is tight end six. I mean, if you had any Dyna, uh, Dallas players on your roster, you were you were just rolling, absolutely. And then the wheels start to come off. Dak goes down, and, and then Andy Dalton behind him. And now weeks five through nine. Now, now, Dak did play some of week five, but I decided to keep it in just to kind of boost some of these numbers or else they'd be really <laughs> dreadful. Um, Zeke is now down to running back 12. If you didn't include week five, which he scored after Dak went out, so it's probably much worse, but he's running back 12. He's probably – you know, uh, RB2, especially in recent weeks, right? Uh, Amari, none of the wide receivers are top 25 wide receivers, weeks five through nine. And Dalton Schultz has now dropped to tight end 18. So we're just talking about an absolute flip of the switch. Sadness, dreariness, Robbie's first yin. Yeah, I'm really sorry, dude. (laughs) I'm sorry for your loss. Yep. I got nothing, nothing else to say. That I own Zeke in a lot of places. It's it's been really rough. Uh, if Jerry needed any question about who he needed to pay, I'm pretty sure he got that answer as soon as Dak went down. Um, Dak has only gained more leverage in his contract negotiations since all of this happened. He could hop out there with uh, you know a metal leg, uh, say they had to amputate, and he would be getting thirty million dollars a year because he'd still be fine. <laughs> But it, it's it's been brutal. Um, it it really was. It was it was amazing. You had C.D. Lamb. Everybody you mentioned was going off, and then Dak goes down, and it's just a hot mess. I don't I don't even I can't even bust chops about it. It's been so sad. Now, Tom, we, I think we had this set up where you do another yin. Do you want to do a yang? We'll we'll build each other up before we bring each other back down. Kind of a, a balance, or where do you want to go with your your first one? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my first one just because um, I feel like it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Kenyon Drake, okay? So we talked about all the good things that are going on in Arizona, and now we got to talk about the one negative thing. And here's the big difference between this year and last year. Kenyon Drake has ten targets through the first eight weeks. Ten. I don't understand it. Uh, Chase Edmonds is getting more usage in the passing game. He looks better in the passing game. And then you have Chase Edmonds go out there last week and he gets, you know, I think 28 touches and he did not look good. So Chase Edmonds is not, he's not going to take Drake's role. He will look better than Drake probably in his minimal role. But I mean, last year Drake had 68 targets. They just, they were throwing him the ball. That's the biggest difference because if you look at Drake's rushing numbers, they're not horrible. Um, and then it looked like he was getting back on track finally when he had 164 yards against Dallas, but it's Dallas. So let's be honest. Um, that was a monster game. I don't even know what else to say. He, before that, he didn't have a game over uh, it was 12.2 in, in a standard league. So not a lot more, 14 and a half points. That was as high as uh, opposed to uh, 28 and a half with, against Dallas. It's just mind boggling because people were taking him at the end of round one, early round two and redraft leagues, because we thought we were getting Kenyon Drake in the last like four games of the season last year, where he was just going off and it's not the same. It doesn't look the same at all. No, no, it really doesn't. And I think if, if you want to talk about 
I know he's not healthy now, but before he got injured, a healthy bust from your first, what, two rounds. He was probably an early second-round pick, Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's one of your healthy busts that you, you can easily pick because actually he's practicing already, so I don't even know if we're going to get two starts out of Chase Edmonds. I think the bye week kind of screwed up any Chase Edmonds takes yeah, over this as a standard bearer flag, right? Uh, I think yeah. he's, he's might be a, a go this upcoming week. It sounds like he's going to be. So he didn't really miss a lot of time. He missed, you know, most of the game uh, in uh, week seven, week eight. Uh, but it, it's just it hasn't been very good. So let's uh, let's move on and let's get some positivity going. Robbie, lead it off. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hit you guys with some brighter, faster, stronger. Let Russ cook information here. You know, I, I think this is what. If you want to talk about all all the storylines that have happened this year, one of the best because I remember year in and year out we're like, man, what Russ does as a fantasy quarterback with the limited amount of attempts he has, his his passing TD percentage is always so high. It's always in the sixes. Everyone else is averaging four and a four and a half. You know, it's it's a Aaron Rodgers MVP season where he gets six and a half. Uh, touchdown percentage and Kyler does that year in year out and we're just like man if he ever was just let, Russ yeah Russ sorry uh, if Russ yeah. was ever let loose if he was ever uncaged if he was ever just given the amount of, of passing volume that we see from some of these other offenses he's he's going to be you know a, a quarterback one like there wasn't even like a you know will he be a top three top four it's like he will be the quarterback one mm-hmm. and he's absolutely done that like we just wax poetic on Kyler Murray and how he's having a great season. You know who he's behind in fantasy points per game? Russ by 0.5 points per game. Like they are both balling out, but Russ is doing it better. And mm, I actually have Kyler ahead by it's 30.1 and Russell's at 29.5. Mm, I wonder what the scoring system is. I don't know. We're looking at I'm looking at fantasy pros right now. Yeah, fantasy either pro. way. E- either way. Yeah. They're doing all that. And, and, and Russ is cooking, and I think just past that, it's what he does for his his passing uh, his pass catchers, right? Like a lot of people, including Cody from from TFA, and not to lump myself in there, but like someone who who believed in DK's talent was like, you know what? With this type of offense, with Russell Wilson as quarterback, I believe in DK, but we've always, you know, the, the volume just isn't there. Well, DK's wide receiver three. Tyler Lockett, wide receiver five. You know, obviously two boom, amazing games and some some duds around that. But you can't discount, you know, the three touchdown games just because they're mm-hmm. huge boom weeks. And so I I think what is really exciting about this is that I don't think this stops because their defense is so bad that they have to throw. I mean, you saw them get down really early to the Bills this last week, and I think that just continues. And yeah, honestly, it's it's just very exciting, especially if you have these individuals on your fantasy roster to see what they can finally do when they're unleashed. Yeah, and you you could sit there and attempt to make the argument that, well, you know, Chris Carson's been hurt, but the first three weeks, three twenty two, two eighty eight, three fifteen, he had thirty one point eight fantasy points, thirty four point four, thirty six point eight, and guess what? Chris Carson was perfectly healthy, so it didn't even matter. Chris Carson was catching balls. Um, so uh, Seattle's been horrible on the defensive side of the ball. Russ had to throw a bunch. It doesn't. It, it helps that you know you basically have fucking Calvin Johnson 
out there destroying people. If Calvin Johnson like went to the gym, like that's what DK Metcalf basically is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even knocking Calvin Johnson. It's just it's just a ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, Howie John. Howie Roseman didn't like his three coners medical. John, what, about his what about his three cone? What about his three cone? I don't know. Let's talk about how we talk to Howie Roseman about it for the Eagles because you know that that's going great for him, asshole. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna get that was a little bit of a yin, it just came out. But so I, I kind of killed it with the lead here. But Kyler was my my next yang here. Um, again, he's my super flex number two. I talked about all the numbers before, so I don't want to spend a, a bunch of time on Kyler. Um, but again, Kyler's a monster in super flex leagues next year. He's going to be a top three pick. Um, if you got him, then get him. I did something. So to tell you how much I loved Kyler going into the season, do you know what I did in the super flex league? Robbie, do you um, know what you do? I traded Jonathan Taylor for Kyler Murray. And you know how much I love Jonathan Taylor. And I yeah, said, I you mean, know you what? had him as a top 15 dynasty asset overall, I believe. I had him at 11 at yeah. one point. I believe that was the highest. So listen, if you got in early on Kyler, that's awesome. You can maybe wait for a down game, but I don't know if it's really coming anytime soon because he's got a pretty good schedule. Um, but I would still go pay for Kyler if I had to. Put it this way. So in, in a home league, I, I asked – somebody what it would take for Lamar, like Lamar and what a first for Kyler. And he said, no. And I was like, God damn. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. So if you can get them, go get them, but it's going to be tough. It was a first and Lamar. And they said, oh, no. Yeah. Yep. At first I, so I started because I know this guy loves me Hardman. So I started with me and I said, okay, what about a first? And it's going to be a later first. He's like, no, I, I actually like Kyler. So, um, no, I'm not going to do it. At that point, you just kind of throw your hands up, and you're like, all right, I'm priced out. What am I going to mm-hmm. do? I'll stick with Lamar. He's got a good playoff schedule. It is what it is. Yeah. I think that's what really bothers me, and I don't think I'm in enough leagues where I miss out on – you have a lot of good players, right? Like I have a lot of DK. Um, I have a lot of Eckler. Obviously, Eckler's been hurt, but he's been great. I have Zeke. I have Mixon. I have players that I have a lot of that do really well. But then there's always players that do well and you don't have any shares of them. You're like, man, it'd be so nice to get – I don't have any Barkley, and I know Barkley's been hurt, so that's not a great example. Mm -hmm. But obviously generational talent and and DeAndre Hopkins I don't have any of. And there's just certain players you're like, man, it'd be great. So I have one share of Kyler, but it's like you you can't can't get it now. You have to to find the next Kyler. You know what I mean? You have to try and get a a Justin Fields or you have to get somebody that's coming out in the next draft or else you're going to lose so many pieces. Yeah, you're gonna lose so so many pieces to try and acquire someone that you're buying the stock at its highest point. There's only one way to go from there. Right, but the question is like you have to make a decision on when the highest point is because it might look like it's the highest point. Like DK Metcalf, a couple weeks ago we thought we were at the high point, and it went up. <laughs> we both had him as top five by the end of uh, at the at the beginning of 2021. We had him as top five. Overall, but we did that last show. Is that last show? Two shows ago. Um, yeah, but we both we both did. I think we both had him at four. I think that might have been receivers overall. I, I forget what it was, but whatever it was, he's actually moved up. He's done better. So, if you think somebody's going to increase their value, even if they're a top ten overall player, 
just go get him if you, if you really think that. Yeah, I, I think it is the ceiling for Kyler Murray. I mean, we're talking about 30 points per game. If you go back to Lamar for 2019, he was 28 oh, yeah. per game. Uh, Mahomes in 2018 was 26 points per game. If you go back to 2017, we're talking about Russ down at 21. <laughs> 21 points per game. Oh, 24 Watson. He just only played seven games. Like, that's that's how much passing has evolved. And I don't know if you saw uh, my tweet. I think I actually – no, I don't have it up. Um, I talked about how low the, the rushing volume was from this week because I've, I've kind of been noticing it, but I never really wanted to take the time to look up the stats. But basically this week we saw the lowest amount of volume in the past you know year and a half. We saw the lowest amount of 100-yard rushers for two and a half years and the lowest amount of 75 yards or more rushers for like, since I went back to the 2010 season and there hasn't oh. been, we only had three rushers. I think it was Kyler Dalvin cook had 200 yeah. some yards. Imagine if we didn't have Dalvin the last year. Right. Weeks. Right. Like there, I know there's a lot of committees, but you saw it like Rojo got three for nine. They, they gave Fournette a couple carries. They, they saw, they had, there's just so many split backfields. I got like two or three or four carries. The Bills, the Bill. Here's a great example. I, I, I tweeted at halftime. The Bills ran like 28 or 32 first half plays or something like that. Three of them were called runs. Yeah, I know. Well, Tampa had five rushing attempts. Five. Yeah. Which I, that's crazy. And so that's just that's just the way this season's going, and I don't know if that's a trend that's going to continue, but it's definitely something to note. And, and you and I did zero RB in our Scott Fishbowl team, and we've actually started to really turn around. We started off horribly, and we rattled mm-hmm. off three or four straight wins, and we barely lost, you know, last week or whatever it was. So, um, you know, I think here's the problem with zero RB strategy: is all the top wide receivers also got hurt. Julio got yeah. hurt. Devontae Adams got hurt. Michael Thomas has been gone. If, if mm-hmm. and again, it's it's you know the if game. You know, if these running backs didn't get hurt, we wouldn't even do zero RB. But you know, I, I think zero RB was the right choice, except all the wide receivers happened to get hurt too. So right. Well, we were also trying to get Dalvin, and he went one pick ahead of us. So that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's the funniest part about it. We had zero intention. You and I are both. We need to get our RBs, and it just never mm-hmm. happened. Never happened. No. And of course, we lost Dak too. So enough about our teams. I will. Yeah, how, how, I'm sorry. How do we lose Dak and win three in a row? By the way, I, I, I don't know. Tom Brady decides to to be an NFL quarterback. Remember when we were all worried about the Bucks, and then the Bucks go off, and then we're like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. Bucks are great." Sunday Night Football against Drew Brees. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Oops. Thirty-one to zero wait, at halftime. Like what? Yeah. You know, spe- speaking of the Bucks, how do we like what's going on with Ronald Jones, Robbie? Oh gosh, he just. I wasn't ready. Like I wanted to, I wanted to prepare myself before I said my second yin, my second sadness, dreariness. You know, as a Rojo, you know, here, here's how I want to separate myself. Let's act as if I'm not even a Rojo fan. Let's just talk about the misuse of fantasy players. We can talk about Jonathan Taylor getting behind, getting carries after Jonathan Wilkins. We can talk about Taysom Hill getting carries. We can talk about Cordero Patterson getting carries. All these individuals that should be getting carries. Then if Fournette, he's a back that should get carries. I, I understand that. The problem for me is Leonard Fournette has not been good outside of a great run, a breakaway run where he showed some speed in week two that got him 46 yards, which is basically one 
one third of his total rushing yards on the season. Like he's not been good. Uh, if you take out if you take out that one run, he's averaging like three point five yards per carry. He has zero broken tackles. Tom, let me repeat that. He has zero broken tackles. This is a north south truck stick runner that has zero broken tackles. Well, he falls into the runner. <laughs> I've been watching. I've been watching it. It's funny that you said that. How's he supposed to break a tackle when he completely just goes off balance to deliver a blow every single time? Like he gets hit, like he he punishes the defender, but he's got zero chance of gaining any more yards. Yeah, I mean, it's there's it's a crazy. reason he was cut, and and I get it. He has he was what the fourth pick of of that 2017 draft, right? Yeah, it turned out to not be that good. He's, I'm, I get it. He he should have a place. He should get carries. I absolutely understand. He should be a running back that gets carries. But the fact that the the way Bruce Arians just continues to put Ronald Jones behind him, and let's talk about Leonard Fournette as a passing downs back. It's it's insane to me. Like I I get it. He had a hundred uh, targets. He had seventy five receptions with the Jaguars, but his average was terrible. He's averaging less than six yards per catch this year. Hashtag not good. You know, he's not, I, I don't know. This isn't even an anti Leonard Fournette thing. This is a Bruce Arians treatment of Ronald Jones. It's insane. It is saddening, it is maddening. Imagine you have a running back that when you give him a good workload in three straight weeks and he goes over 100 yards, he has the best yards after contact in, in the NFL at that time. He has second most rushing yards of those three weeks. And then you have a another running back come back and you, you know, you know, let's give him six carries. Let's give him five carries. Let's give him seven carries. But what are you doing? Like, I just, I just don't understand it. It's, it's one of the most frustrating things. Ronald Jones is tied for eighth in yards after carry yards before contact, or excuse me, yards after contact. He's tied for eighth yards before contact. He's 12th. When he gets the ball multiple times, he's going to make people miss. He's going to get yardage and the Bucks just aren't using it. Rant over. Yeah. Okay. That's a good rant. I got nothing else for you. Uh, I, I would love to be able to pile on, but you, you pretty much chewed that up there. Yeah, I, I think I blew out everyone's eardrums on that. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with my boy that I talked about earlier. And you actually just mentioned him about usage. Jonathan Taylor here. Um, I, I'm distraught still. I was distraught after like week five when he's getting, you know, 12 touches, 12 touches, 11 touches, six touches. Last week, it looked like we were actually going to have a decent week, and then he fumbles. Oh, Jesus, Robbie. I don't know what is going on over there. The usage is, is horrible, but he just hasn't looked great. And I, it's it's mind-boggling. And it happened with Melvin Gordon and Frank Reich was his OC his rookie year. And then Melvin Gordon turned it around. I'm really hoping that's what happens with Jonathan Taylor because I don't – I really don't understand this. I, I don't. The line should be fine. The line hasn't performed nearly as well as they did last year. But when Jordan Wilkins goes out there and he looks a little bit more spry and Naheem Hines goes out there and he looks good and then Jonathan Taylor goes out there and she's like – Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. I don't know. Gabby? Yeah, you know, we we build up we built up a lot of these twenty twenty running backs as as the second comings of Saquon Barkley, the second comings of Zeke. I mean, I saw so many Zeke comparisons to Jonathan Taylor coming in and, you know, he was a, you know, first overall rookie pick um, even before landing spot. And then after landing spot, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, him and Swift. And then after landing spot, it was him and CEH. And, And the expectations I think were so high that he has obviously not lived up to that. And so people no. are thinking he's just this huge bust. He's never going to make it. Um, we have had some um, on our own uh, TFA wavelengths uh, say that he is a Trent Richardson come again. And I just, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's fair because we've seen a lot of these rookie running backs not do what we thought they were going to do. And I'm just going to tell you right now, they're not all, they're not all bad. Like they're, they're good. They're just in committees, yeah. just, rookies with no off season in a, in a, the weirdest year we've seen ever they're they're learning you know my big my big defense of, of some of these rookies is imagine that you are a college student you're living your best life you know you're doing whatever you're hanging out partying all of a sudden you get flown halfway across the country you're thrown in with nfl dudes who've been doing this year in year out you're, you're traveling you're training you know 24 7 and, and, and all this is happening and you have no off season. So a lot of it's virtual. And then they say, you know, go out on Sunday against pros that have been doing this for multiple years and just produce. And I get it. A lot of people do. A lot of people produce week one. You know, we've seen so many, you know, on the flip side, you think rookies, normal rookie running backs normally hit the ground running. It's been the rookie wide receivers this year, the Chase Claypools, the CD lambs, the Justin Jefferson's Jerry Judy's now, right. That have all mm-hmm. just been dominating and on the flip side. The running backs have been a little bit behind, and I think that's okay. Like, I, I'm they're not all bad. Like, I think this is the absolute time to buy the Cam Akers, to to buy the Jonathan Taylors. Ceh, not a, he can't do that as much, but people are worried about Le'Veon Bell, and he's only gotten like 14 touches or whatever it's been the last two weeks. Uh, I think these are guys that you you can target because we've seen their talent, and and I think we've seen flashes even in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor's a running back too. I think he's running back twenty on the season. I think you have 19, it in front of you. Yeah. He, so he's nine. He's nineteen. The the crazy part with JT, which is the most alarming thing, is we just haven't seen him enough. Like you talk about Trent Richardson, I'm like, how is he Trent Richardson? We don't even know because Trent Richardson got over three hundred carries. They get like three hundred and thirty some carries his rookie season, and they just if they do that for Jonathan Taylor, we're talking about something completely different. Um, he's going to be an RB1 by default, which is what Trent Richardson was RB4 his rookie season because of the amount of touches he got. And he was like four yards a carry, 3.9 or whatever. I, I haven't seen the explosion from JT, and he's not getting the field. Those are the two big things. The explosion can come. That's perfectly fine. He could work on whatever he has to work on in the offseason. Maybe he put on too much muscle. Um, I don't know, but to tell you the truth, I, I have no idea because we haven't seen him enough to actually, you know, be good judges of how he's playing. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So Jonathan Taylor, I think, is one that we temper the expectations, obviously. That, that's something you definitely need to hold off on. And in, in, I, I don't think we're we're in the selling camp. Is that what you're saying, Tom? We're not in the sell camp. We're in the no, – it's concerning. No, it has to but, be a hold. It has to be a hold or a buy. But, again, if you're buying from me, I'm not – I'm dropping the price from what it was before, obviously. But I'm still not – I'm not giving them away. Right. But, uh, well, yeah, I think we, we've talked about that one enough. Let's get, get a little bit more positivity up in this uh, you know, show, Robbie. What, what do you got here? We are going to get some more positivity. We're going to bring it back to the Yang. And I'm going to talk about you know, a team that I was very, very nervous about coming into the season. I, was, I have so much exposure to the Los Angeles Chargers. I have – a lot of Keenan Allen, one of my, one well, of my favorite in, fans. He, Go ahead. He's injury prone, though. Yeah, he's injury prone. We've talked about that before. <laughs> I have a lot of Keenan Allen. I have a lot of Austin Eckler. He was a guy, you want to talk about just awesome free agent pickups and dynasty that I've ever had. Like, just what a story he is, and, and glad to have him on so many rosters. Hunter Henry is another guy that I've had, and he can't, maybe doesn't quite fit this narrative because he just doesn't find the end zone. It's his problem, but – Justin Herbert has been such a fun story for the Chargers. And here's the sad part if you take away fantasy. He's got one win. You know who has more wins than him? Tua Tungavailoa. <laughs> he has two starts, two wins. Yeah. Justin Herbert has uh, seven starts, one win. Like it's And, and 4,000 yards through six weeks. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been so exciting what he's done for that offense. Obviously, Austin Eckler has been hurt, but he was balling out. And I, and I meant to look this up before we started the show, so bad, bad job on on the podcaster here. But I'm guessing that Chargers rushing offense is still fantastic. Austin Eckler was balling out. Uh, Justin Jackson has balled out when he's been out there. And oh, there there's this guy named Kalen Balage who gets yeah. 15 for 70. I don't know how that happens, but he looks good in this offense. And, and we, I said earlier that. Hunter Henry has not quite gotten it done. He's not what you expected. Like, talk about the player who you always are like, man, Hunter Henry, this is the guy. This is the guy. And he always disappoints. Like, he's still doing it, but he's just getting such a good target volume that I'm still hopeful it breaks through. Maybe this is the year I finally get off that train, but I don't know. I think the Chargers are exciting to watch. I I, I try and tune into them every single Sunday. I have Red Zone on and I try and find a way to when you know Red Zone slows down, if I can get them on the other TV. I love watching this Chargers offense. Yeah, and even Mike Williams has looked really, really good when he's been healthy on the field yes. and getting getting targets too, I should say, because sometimes he doesn't get targets because Keenan Allen gets literally every target there is out there. Um, but no, the Chargers offense has been a lot of fun, and that, that that's all around Justin Herbert. If we still had Tyrod out there, then we would not be talking about this. Uh, but no, I'm excited about it. I'll move on to mine. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 12. I actually got you to move him up in your rankings, and I, you admitted that you were wrong, which is fun for me. Um, that happens more often than you guys actually think. Uh, but listen, Terry McLaurin, he's going out there. He's absolutely killing it every single week. He is, I believe, sixth in targets, sixth in yards, tenth in receptions, and he has absolutely pitiful quarterback play out there. Like, I don't even know what, what to talk about with the, the QB play. We know they're going to wind up drafting a QB early. Um, 
he's the only wide receiver they really have. Uh, it's he's fantastic. He's so his explosive plays ha- haven't been as much or as often, but at the same time, he's getting more targets, so the volume more than makes up for it. Um, so Terry McLaurin, wide receiver twelve, I'm loving him. Tom, do you know where you have him in Dynasty? Do you know where you have him in Dynasty? Uh, not off my head, but I need to move him up. <laughs> I need to move him up. I don't know where I have him. Yeah, I have him as wide receiver 13. And, yeah, you just said it. Like, I, I question if I need to move him up because he's right behind. For me, it's he's by, right behind Cooper, A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley, D.J. Moore are the next four guys. And I think you can – I, yeah, I, you can, I'm afraid because everyone's everyone, the entire world is down on Amari Cooper and I'm not on that same page, but I think even though I'm not on the same page, as everybody, I think Terry McLaurin has showed enough and at his age and what he can do potentially with an improved quarterback situation that he should be above Cooper. But after that, it's, it's tough. AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, you know, DJ Moore, we can, we can go on a whole topic about that. I don't know if he's in your yins coming up, but. That's a whole so different story. You could, if you want to make an argument, you could argument, or I'm sorry, you could argue moving him over AJ Brown because McLaurin will have more volume. You could say AJ Brown is more talented and he's the better overall wide receiver if you'd like, and I couldn't necessarily debate it, but I think the better fantasy receiver um, may be Terry McLaurin. And I like AJ Brown a lot, but if we're talking volume and improved quarterback play, he's doing this with. He's had Haskins, who was actually decent for him because he just forced the ball into him every single chance he got. Then Kyle Allen, who was like, okay, I don't know. And then he came out and he did well with Kyle Allen. And we might have Alex Smith. (laughs) We're going to have Alex Smith. Um, Or Haskins again. I don't know. But Alex Smith usually locks in on people too. So, yeah. Yeah, I was always so nervous. I have in a redraft like I have Gibson and McLaurin in preseason. I think I even had AP. And coming out of that draft, I said to everybody, I was like, wow, I drafted three individuals from the Washington football team. This is not going to be a good season. <laughs> and somehow I'm 7-2. and two. Um, It's been great. But when I saw Kyle Allen go down, I was like just thinking back to Alex Smith when he came in in relief of Kyle Allen previously. And I was like, oh, good, mm-hmm. a bunch of – two-yard screens, a bunch of dump-offs to McKissick. This is going to be a horrible situation for the rest of the year because you saw Kyle Allen's injury, and you're like, it's done. Yeah, and- I think over the last – so this is – I saw this tonight. I think McKissick has four targets less than McLaurin through the last four games. Yeah, check down That Charlie's. can't happen. That cannot happen. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, I know McKissick had 14 – targets in, in that game and I, and I I think Alex Smith will continue to do that I think he's been known to do that but I will say I'm a little less nervous after seeing him throw for 325 yards even McLaurin's uh, 15 yard pass that he broke for for a long touchdown you know that was still only a mm-hmm. you know 15 yard pass but it wasn't this like screen all I saw that first uh, game when when Colin got hurt and, and Smith came in was just dump off, dump off, dump off. And I was like, this is not good. Right. And so, so I'm a little bit more okay with Alex Smith long-term if, if it's long as it's not just that. What you want to happen if at all possible is Alex Smith to play 
the way that he did in Tyreek Hill's second season when it was like, okay, throw deep. Tyreek's going to be open. Throw deep. Tyreek's going to be open. And eventually they adjusted it. So, you know, Tyreek was, you know, 15 yard outs. He was getting the ball to him a little bit quicker. Um, but it, the big play is Terry McLaurin is going to have to catch it within 15 or 20 yards and then make something happen because that's what Alex Smith is. He's not taking a, a ton of deep shots. Yes, I agree. So we are all in on Terry McLaurin and his future. Hope he can improve at the quarterback position in 2021. Moving over, I don't know. I think this is the perfect involvement of Yang and Yin because it's not really either. I have it as a Yin, but let's see what you think. I have picking a Steelers wide receiver to trust long-term. I think there can be a lot of good with it, but currently it's just sad because I, 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 I don't know. Each week I seem to pick a different guy in my redraft rankings between Claypool, Juju, and Deontay Johnson. And I'm not always wrong, but I'm not ever right. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll go, it's Claypool week and he's, he's second best and it's Juju week and then he's second best. And it's, it's just yeah. a conundrum. And I feel like that's, that's a, it should be a good thing, but it's not. Right. No. And Deont- Deontay should be the number one wide receiver there, but Ooh. he's got like, listen, the problem is he's got like Will Fuller's hamstrings, <laughs> except worse, apparently this season. That's the big problem with Deontay Johnson. Like he's burned me a couple times because he goes in, he gets hurt, and then he's done for the game. Or he goes in and then he misses an entire quarter and he comes back out and gets three more targets and he's not effective. Or he misses entire game. So you can't trust Deontay Johnson. Um, Juju, I don't I don't think they're gonna pay him, to tell you the truth. But the way Claypool's come on, uh, because they're gonna get a third round comp pick for him because he'll get that much of a contract. Pittsburgh's a smart team. They're savvy. They know the cap's probably going to wind up going down, so they're not going to invest that. You know, he's going to get a very good contract from somebody. Um, so when you have Claypool playing that way, you have Deontay Johnson. They're all both going to be on their rookie deals. Why are you going to pay Juju? So Juju going forward, I don't think he's going to be there. If I'm picking somebody, it's still probably going to be Deontay Johnson, I guess, but I don't really feel very comfortable about it. I don't know if this might be hyperbole, but I kind of feel DK Metcalf vibes with Chase Claypool. I feel like he's such a speed size guy that you rarely see in the NFL. Like everyone kind of, they they call him Mapletron, right? Because they reminded him of of Calvin Johnson's speed size score from the combine. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, you can't call him, you know, Calvin Johnson. That's crazy. And I'm, and I'm not doing that, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying what he's done with his size, speed, score, and just what you see on the field, I get I get reminiscence to how I felt about DK Metcalf leading into the draft process, and now seeing that play out in his rookie year, and I feel like that ceiling's so much higher than Deontay Johnson. That's just for me, though. Listen, you're you're probably not wrong. I just like Deontay Johnson's talent if he can get his you know hamstrings together. So Claypool's probably safer, to tell you the truth without the injury risk. I'm not I'm probably not going out and buying any of them right now because you can't trust them and you the, the situation is too volatile with um, who knows when Ben's going to wind up retiring. Mhm. So, I don't know. And I think you're right, but what what's what's interesting is that Chase Claypool has just managed to get such a large target share in his rookie year with with, with these other good wide receivers. Obviously, like when they're out 
Chase Claypool has filled the void, but now they're all healthy. And against the Cowboys, who leads the team in targets with 13? It's Chase Claypool. Who led the tar- the team in targets the week before? It was Chase Claypool. Like I just think it's so interesting for a rookie to come. And I agree with you. I, I almost think that it's the time to buy. You know what? Be- what happens to Ben? I can't, I can't control. I don't know. That, that maybe is the reason why you don't. But if there's unsurety right now, uncertainty. I don't think unsurety is a word. Uncertainty, uncertainty right. might be a word. It's like yeah. you know, not having your pants on or something. Unsurety. Yeah, I think that's the time to buy because once Juju leaves. Everyone's going to say, oh, it's Chase Claypool time. It's Deontay Johnson time. And their draft price is going to shoot through the roof. Their, their trade price is going to shoot through the roof. So I think, you know, we saw – we talked about Chase uh, earlier this year, and we talked about Tyler Guthner trading, Jerry Judy straight up. He traded um, – I can't remember his other player, but there's been some like, whoa, like that's kind of interesting. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm starting to buy, buy into that. I, I think – he potentially could be like a really, 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 really solid fantasy option here in year two. He can be, but I think his price probably has gone up the last couple of weeks too. So you have to be ready to pay up for him. Yeah. But I don't know, like if you throw in something, I think you can get him for a second and something like, I don't know if it's like bona fide burst for sure. Like, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. It's, Talk about individuals I'd love to have. I traded my only Chase Claypool share for a Hayden Hurst, which I've said on this podcast three times. People are probably sick of hearing it, but <laughs> I have Hayden Hurst instead, which is just fantastic. I lost Blake That's Charming. okay. He's, he's the tight end five right now, bro. He's it's, tight end it, five. It's good, but, you know, just tight ends just don't give you the same satisfaction as the other positions. That's all I can yeah. say. I mean, it's a, no, not at all. It's like, uh, I don't know. I was going to make an inappropriate joke. So I'm just going to skip by. It was going to involve like deaf kids and hearing or something, but I didn't feel like I uh, really go in there, but they're not listening to the podcast anyway. So I guess I can say it. <laughs> fucked up. And right. next one. Speaking of fucked up, we're going to talk about Carson Wentz. <laughs> uh, what a segue that is. Um, so Carson Wentz is somehow the QB 12 and. <laughs> He has a 58% completion percentage. And he's looked worse than Josh Allen did last year, if I'm being completely honest. He looks like lost at times. He's looked better in recent weeks. Uh, he's started getting some weapons back. Fulgham's coming. Fulgham is coming on strong. He could have been one of my um, yangs there, but I was going to talk about Carson. So I figured I'd, I can talk about Fulgham. But just Carson, he holds the ball way too long. He takes way too many hits. He's trying to do too much. He's forcing it. If you study quarterbacks, his mechanics are so different from year two. Um, He got the ACL injury, which the rehab maybe screwed him up, but he doesn't have John DeFilippo yelling at him constantly. Uh, He's got Press Taylor, who I think I've talked about Press Taylor on on the show, how I really don't like what he does there because they're buddy-buddy. But Carson needs a foot up his ass. And unless he gets it, I don't see that he's going to turn it around to that. You know, we had him as a a top five QB. He's never going to reach that number again, ever. I don't know if he's going to get in the top eight, even if he just goes out and kills it the rest of the year with Rager and Fulgham, just because you see all the warts that he has and he's inconsistent. Um, So, yeah, Carson. uh, and I, I went off when they drafted Jalen Hurts 
I listen, I don't even know what to say. The truth. It's just so disappointing as an Eagles fan, as someone who has a lot of exposure in him or to him in dynasty. You don't know what you're getting week to week with him. Like he could give you like four points and the fumbles. Jesus. He's been a turnover machine. He never threw more than seven interceptions. And he, he surpassed that in like week five. And he's a, it's like, oh, Carson fumbled. Okay, that's one for the game. It's like one a game, two a game. Oh, he recovered that one. That was three, but it's okay. Robbie, yeah, he, go ahead. He was also throwing to John Hightower and J.J. Ortega Whiteside. So Listen, that's I'm going to cut him a break. So you can cut him a – listen to the Dallas fan cutting Carson a break and the Eagles fan ripping him to shreds. Which is um, – I was just going to lead with that when you when you gave me my turn. I was going to say right. it's going to be super awkward when I turn around and defend <laughs> the heck out of him. Here's how it's so crazy. Dynasty, and I, I texted you this or I, I voxed you this, got my first share of Carson Wentz in Dynasty, traded Drew Locke in a third – for Carson Wentz, and I, I, I this was one of the trades where I normally I, I, I check with like an inner circle because I'm so like I never want to make a bad trade. I, I'm not mm-hmm. the Tyler Gunther who just boom 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 just I'm gonna trade 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 all the time. Nope, I, I want to look at the trade. I want to talk to some people, see if it's good. Totally check the pros and cons. Okay, then I'll make it. I'm very slow to do that. And this one, I was just like, you know what? Let me look at this Eagles schedule. Okay, they have the Giants. Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Cowboys football team. They have like six stellar passing matchups for Carson Wentz. Listen, he I, he can turn I, it around. I, I, yeah, I absolutely want in on him now, and I think the price is right to buy for him dynasty-wise because we're talking about a guy that's like 26 years – or when are we, 27, 26? 27. 27 years old. 27, Here's the thing. You want to talk about Kyler Murray – and 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 when you need to to, I mean, if you're you're winning with Kyler Murray, don't don't move him. If you're and he's young, like there's no reason to do that. But I'm saying, if there's a top six, seven, I think I have Carson right now as, as QB eight in Dynasty. There's no better chance to get a cheaper top eight QB in Dynasty than Carson Wentz right now, and probably actually a couple of weeks ago because I think people are starting to see, okay, he had no weapons. His schedule wasn't fantastic. You know, I, I think this is a guy that absolutely can turn around. I hear all your stuff in mechanics. You watch way more Eagles games than I do. Maybe that stuff is bad. Maybe it's correctable. Maybe it's not. But he had absolutely nobody, and the schedule is just cake. I have a dynasty share of him now. I have a redraft share of him now, and I'm all in. So he, so it is a good time to buy. But the problem is, and you talked about, like, no weapons. Dude had no line. He had Jason Kelsey yeah, as the yeah, only – original yeah. lineman. Yeah. So the problem is it's almost like he's got PTSD and he's running around out there, like just hoping he doesn't get destroyed because he gets hit so often. And part of it is his own mistake because he holds on to the ball and he tries to get something done because his receivers down the field weren't getting open. I mean, you have Rager come back, Fulgham, Goddard. You might have Alshon play this week, Robbie. He practiced, mm. so but he can still go screw himself and jump. What? Um, nope. No, I'm good. We're in the Yang, or no, we're in the Yin. I can be negative on this one, right? Okay, everybody knows how I feel about Alshon. We're fine. As soon as he retires, I'll like him again because then I can talk about the Super Bowl. But yeah, no Alshon. 
Uh, so you have no Deshaun, you had no Alshon, you had nobody. But you have weapons coming back. Hopefully the line gets better and he can actually sit there. But he's just been he's been off all season. And he's he's got a lot of work to do in the offseason. They need to revamp that. Uh, the coach, the offensive coaching staff there, and Doug Peterson can stay. He can keep calling the plays, but underneath of him, they they need to fix that. Yeah, and I think before before we leave the Eagles talk, I need to make sure I get this on record because you and I have gone back and forth many times on Dak versus Wentz, and I think Dak, I finally it's, it's got Dak you on one leg right now. Okay, stop. I, I think get out. I finally got you on fantasy wise. But real QB, you're starting an NFL franchise. Deck, right now. No doubt. There's no doubt. I actually – oh, God, this is going to be horrible. Uh, you're making me do this right now? Well, real you, quarter- you, you and I had thought about this a lot. You laughed in my I know. face when I said Deck. And I, I said, I don't think this is biased. Listen, I didn't laugh in your face. You, well, we had that, uh, that little ah, – okay, you're going to take right. Jack. What has right, he listen. done? He has I an almost, all pro line. He has an all pro running back. He does. Let's see what he does without that. That's yeah. all I ever heard. And the weapons. And the weapons. Don't forget about the weapons. But it doesn't yeah. matter because Troy Aikman's a Hall of Fame quarterback, even though he may not have been that good because of what he had. Yeah, that's fair. You're Hall of Fame, you're Hall of Fame. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to go through all the quarterbacks that I would take over Carson Wentz, but we don't have that much time left, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that is so, this is so odd that I'm higher on Carson Wentz, but that's enough. Carson well, Wentz listen, talk. I still like him. I just watch him every week, and it's very frustrating. You know what I mean? Over the off season, it like right now you're in it, and it's like you're just you're so invested in a player, and you're just really upset because you really want him to do well because you like him. I like him as a person. I love him as an Eagles quarterback, etc. I own him a lot of places. I've just had a lot of disappointment this year. But yep. let's uh, let's let's finish it, finish it up on a positive note, then, Robbie. Yep, positive note here. So preseason, the TFA boys, Kev and Cody, did a hashtag nuts on the table takes that they invited me to join uh, for one of their live shows. It was it was a great show. We, we did bold takes, but we put a new spin on it. It's not bold takes. It's putting nuts on the table. Here's what I think is going to happen. That is just outside the boundaries, right? And Honestly, I'm pretty pumped up about some of my takes. So the, the the first one that I'm really pumped up about is is Todd Gurley finishes a top six running back in PPR scoring. Now the PPR scoring was because I thought he'd catch a lot of passes, and that honestly hasn't been happening. What's been happening is he's been scoring buku amount. He's been getting so many carries that it doesn't matter how he looks. Sometimes some plays he looks like he's 40 running the football, and some and sometimes he runs and he looks great. Well, it's a little back and forth with him, but he currently is the running back six in PPR, so that's currently happening. My second one was Kareem Hunt will outscore all rookie running backs in PPR scoring. Caveat now, Nick Chubb gets hurt. Obviously, that helps my case. He's only behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, CH is running back nine, and Hunt is running back 11. Will that change when Chubb comes back? potentially, but that one's in the running. And the one I'm not quite there on yet is Bobby Woods finishes as a top six wide receiver. That Rams passing offense has just been horrendous. He's wide receiver 16. I have him as you know a top six wide receiver. He's not there yet. I think they turn it around. So, Tom, yeah, I'm just pretty pumped up about some of these these preseason thoughts now. But we're not going to talk about my bus. The, the bus have been a lot of L's. 
especially with Stefan Diggs. But yeah, pretty pumped up about some of these calls. Yeah, uh, one of the ones that I had uh, was Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones both finishing in the top ten. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and right now we have Calvin Ridley as the wide receiver eight, even though he mm-hmm. missed a game. And Julio has missed two games, and he got hurt in another one. And he's the wide receiver 17. And Julio has come on like gangbusters lately. Um, he's kind of established himself a little bit. Just, you know, he he watched Young Buck go out there, and he's doing his thing. And he said, oh. he goes, he gets hurt. He's like, oh, fuck, no, I'm going to come back, and then this shit's on. Yep. Um, so Julio is still Julio, let's be honest. Uh, and moving on, their defense is so bad. And this is part of the argument. I thought they were going to have to throw a ton. So that one, I think, still has a very good chance of hitting, even though, you know, Julio seems to miss a game or two every single year, and he's still in the top five. Yep. So yep. he plays 13, 14 games. He's, he's going to be up there. Um, the Ridley one was the one that everybody thought was bold, and he came out early like gangbusters. So love that breakout. Uh, some of my nuts, the other nuts on the table, was it Judy was what? Not only yet, Judy. Uh, well, on on our we had a bold takes yeah. uh, episode. I, had, I mean, had Drew. Yeah, Drew Locke just oh top, yeah top seven or something like that. Which yeah, yeah he's coming on strong now. But your your ones your official ones that we recorded in the TFA was Cam Akers top seven running back has more fancy points than Ch. <laughs> you know, we just haven't uh, seen it from Cam Akers again. I said no. at the beginning we were talking with Jonathan Taylor. I think this is a buy. I, I'm not even the big Akers stand uh, yeah. for TFA. You and Cody were, but. I think this is – I was the Darrell Henderson, like, guys, this is a person. He's going to get carries. He, they drafted him for a reason as well. Uh, but I do think Akers uh, is somebody to look at. And I think the one that you are not currently winning but I think can have a lot of uh, potential here in the second half of the season was Gasecki as a top five tight end or better. You know, he's tight end 17 right now. We were talking – I remember this conversation you were saying – if Tua can become the quarterback, will he lean on that tight end? Will he will he you know improve Gesecki's numbers? I think that's a potential. And now, especially if we talk about Preston Williams being out for at least three weeks, he's on IR right yep. now. Um, I think Gesecki has a big opportunity to to increase from his tight end seventeen ranking that he is currently. Yeah, I mean, if you remember last year when Preston Williams was out, the split that Mike Gesecki wound up having was he was a top uh, five tight end, I believe. Uh, those those weeks when Preston Williams wasn't playing. So it can definitely happen. Um, the fact that, you know, Hayden Hurst has 96 points and Gusecki has 67. Hurst is the, the five. You can make that up because Gusecki can have a monster game. Um, so he can go up there. He's got to get more consistent in everything that he does because, you know, Gusecki can go out there and he can look really good. And it's funny because – we had our, our takes and everything, and I, I've always been this season in between Gasecki and Hawkinson. I think I actually told you Hawkinson as a top five tight end, <laughs> and you just wrote it down wrong. Uh, I just changed it before the show. Right. That's that's what I figured. Um, so, you know, he's the tight end three. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, good. So, but, you know, this is before the season. It's, it's bold stuff, it's stuff that can be fun and. If, if you're if you're getting one correct, I think that's amazing. Like we're talking oh, yeah. about pretty far out guesses here and, that are, are not, they're very improbable, right? And let's be serious. The one I had was basically a parlay because I had Julio and Ridley. So let's mm-hmm. go on. Two out of four ain't bad. Um, let's finish out with 
just talking a little bit, I know we are a, a dynasty show and I definitely want to want to keep that talk in the forefront, but I think we need to talk a little bit about your props because you've been absolutely on fire and then there's some people that might want to dabble into that uh, business as well. Talk to, talk to us about your week nine uh, success and, and where people can find more of your content. Um, all right. So Cody Kutzer and I do, we're doing a live show now every single Saturday. I think we're going to try and make it at nine o'clock every Saturday to have some consistency where we're recording. And then we said, you know what, let's just do it live. Let's do it live. Let's have some fun. We can answer some questions at the end of the show after the props and then just go from there. But uh, we're basically putting out player props every single week because, you know, we like fantasy football and we like player projections and we like start sits and we like all this stuff and you do all this work. Guess what? Why not make some money off of that each week? So, uh, you know, I have been pretty good on the season. I have a 72% winning percentage right now. And we started doing that through week two. So basically, if you take, if I do four bets a week, you're probably going to win around three, maybe four. I haven't been perfect yet. And it's really, it's really, it's really bothering me. Dude, I've gone three it, it for keeps four. That head, it keeps that head from exploding, I think. So, so last week I went five for six. The week before I went three for, or four for five. Um, I had one week where I just took a bath and didn't get anything right. And that basically accounted for over 50% of my losses, but that doesn't happen very often. So nah, we're throwing some stuff out there. Um, we have it on the pod. I'll throw stuff out there on Twitter in the morning in case you don't get a chance to actually watch, but we really appreciate it if you watch because I go into, you know, in depth of why we're actually taking them as opposed to, Hey, take Will Fuller over 61 and a half yards, because you're going to look at that and you're like, why? Well, watch the damn video. That's why. Absolutely. And that is something I did not do last week and it came back yeah. to bite me did and not fall in about it. <laughs> and so we will be doing that for sure each week it's the first video i miss so the, the, my percentage is is almost perfect as well so tom uh i think we could we crushed it we had the yin and the yang i, I think that that kind of just culminates of what we've seen so far there's been some great storylines some bad storylines it all kind of culminates and let's see what happens the second half of the season you can find Tom at Dynasty Infidel. You can find me at NFL Robbie on Twitter. Make sure you follow the TFA account at FF underscore authority. And until next week, see ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.